schneller, schneller als gedacht. Abrupt climate change and the consequences for us and other living beings on our Earth. No one should be alone in the greatest challenge of our time. Episode 8 about the Blue Ocean Event. With Sam Carana, Guy McPherson, Jennifer Heinz, Peter Wardens and Kevin Hester. Thanks to Laura Upshaw for African Drum Dance on YouTube. I'm honored to have the opportunity to present five great personalities who share the knowledge about a burning issue, the melting of the Arctic sea ice and consequential a massive change of the global climate. We may listen to Sam Carana, Guy McPherson, Jennifer Heinz, Peter Wadhams and Kevin Hester, all short and condensed interviews or statements. It may be reasonable to repeat sections a few times. Some arguments recur, but everybody has a different view on it. But first I have an introduction on the Blue Ocean event. The top of the world is turning from white to blue. To call it Blue Ocean event, if the Arctic ice is nearly gone in the summer, is quite a beautiful metaphor for an event with such dire circumstances. The air conditioner of the northern hemisphere is not only overheating but also burning through. The temperature of the Arctic is yet increasing three times faster than the rest of the planet. Without the snow and ice cover it will skyrocket and overrun any threshold and tipping point. Release of methane is the strongest driver of an exponential increase of temperature but there are other self-reinforcing feedback loops. Thanks to Yale Environment 360 and Peter Wadhams for the following summary of five factors of the melting Arctic. We'll hear more about that in the interviews. First, albedo effect. Since dark surfaces absorb far more heat than the white ones, The loss of ice and snow on sea and land is increasing regional and global temperatures. Second, methane release. The retreat of Arctic sea ice and the resulting warming is beginning to thaw offshore permafrost that contains large amounts of frozen methane, a potent greenhouse gas. Third, melting the Arctic ice sheet. Rising Arctic air temperatures, in part caused by the disappearance of sea ice, are leading to widespread surface melting of Greenland's massive ice sheet. This melt is adding some 72 cubic miles of water to the ocean annually, leading to sea level increases. Fourth, increase in water vapor. Warmer air holds more moisture, so rising Arctic air temperatures mean that the once frigid polar atmosphere is holding more water vapor. Water vapor is itself a greenhouse gas trapping outgoing long wave radiation, so this further heats up the Arctic. Fifth, warming rivers. As snow cover disappears, causing Arctic terrestrial regions to absorb more heat. The runoff and snow melt from waterways flow through warmer land, increasing the temperature of large north-flowing rivers in Siberia and Canada. These warmer rivers inject even more heat into the Arctic Ocean. For further information please refer to the show notes at my website xwer.de.
DE. Now, these are the questions to each of my interviewees. Although we had an early and hot melting season this summer, the Arctic Ocean has not been ice-free. But the ice thickness decreased rapidly, so that we may witness a blue ocean event in one of the next few years. What are the consequences of a blue ocean in the Arctic? Does the blue ocean have a symbolic meaning for you and your personal life? Is it a kind of threshold for you? Sam Karana Sam Karana is a pseudonym for a leading observer of abrupt climate change. He, she or they is or are a main writer on Arctic News Blogspot that describes the situation in the Arctic, focusing especially on the threat of large abrupt methane eruptions from the Arctic seafloor. Sam Karana gives no audio or video interviews, but he has been so kind to send me the following text. It is the text version of a current blog article. You'll find the link in the show notes. I'm so glad that David Petratis has agreed to read this passage. He is an active and empathic supporter in and around the Facebook Newtom Human Extinction Support Group. Many thanks to David Petratis. Now please, Sam Karana, what is your commentary on the Blue Ocean event? This is David Petratus. Wolfgang Verminghausen has asked me to be the voice of Sam Karana. Wolfgang has edited a post of Sam's, which I will read. Will there be a Blue Ocean event in September 2017, during which the Arctic Ocean will be virtually ice-free? What would be the significance of such an event? The Arctic Ocean is about to become virtually ice-free, perhaps as early as next year. At first, this Blue Ocean event may last for one or more days in September 2017. Over the years, the ice-free period will grow longer and longer if no action is taken. Projections of an ice-free ocean have been made for years. What makes the prospect of a Blue Ocean event so dire? Disappearance of the sea ice means that a huge amount of sunlight that was previously reflected back into space is instead getting absorbed by the Arctic Sea. The reason for this is that the sea ice is more reflective than the water of the Arctic Ocean. The situation on land in the Arctic is similar. That is, the snow and ice cover on land is more reflective than the darker soil and rocks that get uncovered as the snow and ice disappears. So extra heat gets added, and this is accelerating warming in the Arctic. On land, the extra heat will also warm up the water of rivers, and a lot of this heat will end up in the Arctic Ocean. Another feedback is water vapor. A warmer atmosphere carries more water vapor. Since water vapor is a potent greenhouse gas, this further accelerates warming over the Arctic. Over the past 365 days, up to October 7th, 2016, temperatures have been more than 2.5 degrees centigrade warmer than 1981 to 2010 over most of the Arctic Ocean. Accelerated Arctic warming has been taking place for a long time, so what makes 
a blue ocean event, a virtually free Arctic Ocean, such a big thing. It is a huge event because once the sea ice is gone, warming of the Arctic Ocean is likely to speed up even more dramatically. Why? Because having no more sea ice means that the buffer is gone. In the past, thick sea ice extended meters below the sea surface in many parts of the Arctic Ocean. Melting of this ice into water consumed massive amounts of ocean heat. As such, the thick sea ice acted as a buffer. Over the years, Arctic sea ice has become thinner and thinner. Over the past few years, trends have been pointing at a zero thickness soon. That is, in a matter of years, a trend forecast recently produced by the Arctische Penguin points to a zero sea volume ice in the year 2021. Note that there is some variability from year to year. This indicates that a blue ocean event may well happen sooner than the trend, for example, in September 2017. The buffer used to consume massive amounts of ocean heat that is carried along the sea currents into the Arctic Ocean. Once the sea ice is gone, that heat must go somewhere else. A huge amount of energy used to be absorbed by this buffer, melting the ice and transforming it into water. The energy that used to be absorbed by melting ice is as much as it takes up to warm an equivalent mass of water from 0 centigrade to 80 degrees centigrade. Much of this heat will now suddenly speed up the warming of the water of the Arctic Ocean rather than going into melting the ice as it did previously. So the water of the Arctic Ocean will suddenly warm up dramatically. Remember that the Arctic Ocean is in many areas very shallow. In many places it's less than 50 meters deep. Another danger is that this extra heat will reach the seafloor and destabilize methane hydrates that are contained in sediments at the bottom of the Arctic Ocean. This could result in huge methane eruptions. It is hard for methane plumes to get broken down in the water, given the abrupt and concentrated nature of such releases, and given that the Arctic Ocean is in so many places very shallow. Once that methane enters the atmosphere, it will strongly contribute to further warming of the atmosphere over the Arctic. In conclusion, disappearance of the sea ice will mean that the buffer is gone. This further increases the danger of huge abrupt releases of methane from the seafloor of the Arctic Ocean. In many respects, the danger is such that we can just count ourselves lucky that such huge releases haven't occurred yet. In response to this danger, comprehensive and effective action is needed along multiple lines of action, implemented in parallel and simultaneously. While local feed baits are typically the most effective policies, local communities can decide what works best for them, provided that agreed targets are met. Such targets will need to be a lot stronger and more comprehensive than the aspirational emission reductions that countries have submitted as part of the Paris Agreement. The situation is dire and calls for 
comprehensive and effective action as described in the climate plan on Arctic News Blogspot. To see more of this information, please go to arctic-news.blogspot.de Thank you, Sam Karana and David Petratis. Professor Guy McPherson Guy McPherson is Professor Emeritus at the University of Arizona. He's the world's leading authority on abrupt climate change leading to near-term human extinction. Only a very few scientists are able to connect the dots like him and come to similar results. He's an excellent speaker with a lot of humor. Here you'll hear a very condensed and clear statement that is recorded with a low quality of sound, but good to understand. His blog is naturebitslasts, GuyMcPherson.com Guy, what is your way to see the Blue Ocean event? I believe among the consequences of a Blue Ocean event in the Arctic that is bound to occur within the next few years, considering the thin nature of the ice and the rapid warming of the Arctic, I think among the consequences will be the 50-gigaton burst of methane Natalia Shukova and colleagues warned us about in 2008 at the European Geophysical Union meetings. In an interview in 2015, Shakova said we never made such a statement, but you can still find the abstract from that presentation online, and it's pretty clear that she and her colleagues did predict in 2008 a 50-gigaton burst of methane that is highly possible at any time. So I suspect that will happen, and I suspect that it will have an attendant 1.3 or higher degree temperature rise. Well, let me rephrase that. I suspect it will have a 1 degree temperature rise, maybe the 1.3 degree Celsius she predicted in 2008. Almost immediately, certainly within a year, global average temperature rise of a degree. Even if it's only a half a degree, that takes us beyond the point at which grains can be grown because the interior of large continents heats up at least twice as fast as the global average. So what that means is the area where the grains are grown are unable to produce grains anymore, and so that means civilization fails. That'll add another three degrees, more or less, to the global average temperature in a very short period of time because of the absence of global dimming. So if that ice-free ocean occurs in the Arctic next year, 2017, say, then I suspect within a year it will trigger collapse of civilization, which will add an additional three degrees. So we're currently at a little over one and a half degrees above baseline, and an ice-free Arctic adds another 1.3. Let's just round down and say it adds one. So now we're at two and a half. Civilization fails and adds three more, so we're at about five and a half degrees Celsius above baseline, all within a very, very short period of time. The the latter four degrees of that occurs in as little as a year. I think the, the Blue Ocean event has meaning well beyond symbolic. It's the, the Blue Ocean event symbolizes industrial civilization. It symbolizes the must-go-faster mentality that takes us to the abyss ever faster. So it could 
it could, I'm not saying it will, it could very well create conditions under which there is no habitat for humans in a matter of a year, two, three years, in within a very short period of time in any event. Thank you, Guy. Yes, no habitat for humans in one, two or three years. A narrow outlook. Jennifer Heinz Jennifer Heinz lives in Boulder, Colorado. She's a climate researcher and the creator of two major climate change videos addressing escalating climate trends and particularly the methane hydrate situation in the Arctic. Please refer to Methane Monster 1 and 2. You'll find the links in the show notes. She's a highly trained IT professional with an emphasis on large data migration and data trends analysis. And she has a deep and abiding interest in Tibetan Buddhism. Let's listen to Jennifer Heinz. Welcome, Jennifer. Today we are talking about the Blue Ocean event. I'm interested what you have to say about the Blue Ocean in the Arctic we might have in one of the next few years. And what are the symbolic meanings for you and your personal life? Well, hi, Wolfgang. I'm so pleased to talk to you today about this. You know, the Arctic, as we all know, is the air conditioner of our world, besides many, many other things. It controls the climate and controls the jet stream. But we find ourselves now in an unprecedented tipping point, and we find ourselves looking at an Arctic ice cap that is literally shriveling away both in thickness and in area and in volume, bit by bit by bit. And actually, it is increasing in its melting activity. And this is a huge tipping point for the world because as goes the Arctic, so goes the world. And the reason this is, is the Arctic controls our climate and it controls the jet stream. And as well, as I said before, it is an air conditioner for our planet. And the ice in the Arctic Ocean has been serving as a dampening effect for the hot seas and the hot water that um, is continually assaulting the Arctic Ocean. So you know how it is when you have like um, a drink full of ice and you watch the ice melting inside of the drink, the drink itself doesn't really change in temperature, you know. So the drink st stays, and the drink would be the Arctic Ocean. The drink stays at approximately the same temperature as the ice melts. This is the situation we find ourselves in the Arctic. But you probably also know when your ice finally melts inside your drink, the actual liquid of the drink the temperature goes up very, very quickly. So that shows that the ice itself is serving a dampening effect. And we can expect that as the ice melts, we will see the temperature in the Arctic 
go up. Now, I believe that the ice is going to melt fairly quickly now. Now it's 2016. I would say I don't believe the ice is going to last probably more than two to three years. In mm. September, that would be the the low point of the ice. And because of all the assaults that have been racked upon the Arctic Ocean from all these different feedbacks, which other people have so eloquently talked about already, um, we can expect that the weather is going to change and we are entering a hot new world that is going to be racked with storms that are significantly bigger than the storms that we have seen as well. When the Arctic ice goes away, the jet stream is not going to just spin around this cold ice at the top of, of our world. It's gonna, it's already becoming very erratic. However, it's going to become more erratic. And this is in turn going to give rise to more storms, more typhoons, bigger hurricanes, uh, rain bomb and deluge events. And this will just be racked upon the world, you know, blow by blow by blow. So, this is a hidden crisis. That's the thing about it. This crisis in the Arctic with the Arctic melting away, shriveling away is absolutely hidden because it is out of the news. It hasn't been deemed an important enough situation to cover for some reason. So we are now entering a time of reckoning in a way, you know, mm -hmm. and our maturity as a species is being tested in a way that it's never been tested before. We are going to be forced to acknowledge um, the effects of our carbon dioxide emissions, which have, you know, given rise to this huge heating event that we've seen, especially since the 60s and the 70s come upon our world. And, you know, we're not down yet, right? I mean, we're, we're, there's a lot more heating baked into this equation. So, more heat is coming and bigger storms are coming. And, you know, what can humanity do? do about this really? Well, the first thing we can do is probably acknowledge the situation. That would be a good start. Our inability to acknowledge this is actually impacting our ability to react effectively to this crisis. And, you know, I think it's a good time for humanity to Try and grow up as much as possible, as quickly as possible, because abrupt climate change is upon us and it is being driven by the heating in the Arctic Ocean and the Arctic is heating two times faster, at least two to three times faster than any other place on Earth. So, you know, this is a time of reckoning and this is what's happening to our world. And I'm so sad about it. You know, symbolically, this... um is it's unprecedented and this blue sea event really symbolizes the hot new world that we're going to find ourselves entering into Wolfgang. Oh yes, of course. Thank you for this short interview and um, that you share your knowledge and your uh, emotions about this dire situation. Thank you very much and goodbye. Thank you Wolfgang. Goodbye. Professor Peter Wadams Peter Wadams, Professor Emeritus of Ocean Physics at Cambridge University, is a CI specialist 
With 46 years of research on sea ice and ocean processes in the Arctic and Antarctic. In more than 50 expeditions to both polar regions, he has worked from ice camps, icebreakers and aircraft. He also has traveled six times on Royal Navy submarines under frozen North Polar seas to conduct research. His new book, highly recommended, is A Farewell to Ice. What has this sea ice specialist to say about the Arctic? Welcome, Professor Wedems, to my podcast episode about the Blue Ocean event. I'm looking forward what you have to say about the consequences of a blue ocean in the Arctic and if it has a symbolic meaning for you and your personal life. Um, it very much does, yes, because um, I, I've been studying Arctic sea ice now for um, since 1970, 40, 46 years. And when I first went to the Arctic and the... the It was as if the the Arctic Ocean was a landmass because there was such a such thick ice with such heavily ridged ice that as soon as you you cross through the Straits through the Bering Straits into the Arctic Ocean, it's it's like uh, a continent of ice. Uh, so it's 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 not like being at sea. This was the way things were back in 1970. But that's but now um, the Even when there's ice, it's very thin ice, not very ridged. It doesn't feel like ice, and it's certainly not very safe to walk on. So it's a different world now. The, the whole uh, the whole Arctic Ocean as it used to be for, for me and people of my era who were working on it has, has disappeared forever, and we're left now with, with some very thin, unimpressive ice Uh, like you get in the Antarctic, so, and it is, so it is. It is a complete change. It, the Arctic is no longer the barrier that it used to be. Maybe you can talk a little more about what you think are the consequences of an ice-free Arctic. Uh, yes, well, the, the the thing that I'm most concerned about is the fact that um, the disappearance of the ice is not just a simple consequence of global warming. I mean, it is a consequence of global warming. But as well as uh, being a result of global warming, it has feedback effects of its own, which then cause global changes. Uh, so the Arctic is is uh, has an impact on the entire planet. And some of those uh, are ones which I, I write about in my, my new book. And, and um, there can... One of them is the fact that as the sea ice retreats in the summer, um, you're replacing an area, a big area of, of white with an area of dark so that you're reducing the albedo of the planet as a whole. And that increases the amount of radiation absorbed by the planet, which means that it increases the rate of global warming. So just the, the retreat of sea ice alone amplifies the, the the global warming rate and uh, that adds estimates are that it adds about 50 percent to the impact of of the heating due to greenhouse gases uh, then also the fact that there's open water in the arctic ocean means that there's warmer air over greenland in summer and that increases the rate of melt of the greenland ice sheet and that increases then 
the rate of global sea level rise. And uh, another consequence is a potentially a big threat from methane in, in that um, in the Arctic offshore seas, the shallow seas around the edge of the Arctic Ocean, um, there's um, a lot of methane under the sediments. And that's held in place at the moment by permafrost, which extends offshore. But now that the uh, Arctic is becoming ice free, the water's warming up and that warmer water melts the permafrost and allows the methane to escape. So we're getting huge um, bursts now of of methane bubbles coming out of the uh, the, sh- the seas around the Arctic, the, the continental shelves uh, in summer. And that's got enough already to, to make a difference to global methane levels. And uh, methane is a very powerful greenhouse gas. So it's another way in which the retreat of sea ice in the Arctic is accelerating global warming via this, this methane release. So we have a number of these feedbacks where um, the, it's not just the ice retreating that we're seeing, but the ice in, in, in itself is then having an, an effect on, on the, the planet's, uh, energy system. So, uh, with the Arctic Ocean is a cause of a lot of other serious, uh, effects. Uh, a final one, I suppose, but we're not sure if it's a cause of that directly, is the fact that we're getting now these weather extremes. And there's been a link that some scientists um, have have made between the retreat of sea ice and these weather extremes, because um, when you have warmer, warmer atmosphere over the Arctic Ocean, um, then this affects the the shape and the speed of the jet stream, that's this very uh, high high velocity airstream at, at high altitude that separates polar air from tropical air. And the jet stream slows down and um, goes into big lobes, which, which um, don't move around very fast. They stay more or less in position. And that means uh, that warm air... Uh, extends further north in some longitudes and extremely cold air extends further south. So we have extreme weather going all the way around the mid latitudes of North America and Europe um, because of the, the change of shape of the jet stream, which will bring us um, quite serious effects on food production because it's these mid latitudes that are the main food producing areas of the world. Uh, so that's that's not a proven link, but it's it it looks a very likely one, and that would perhaps be the most serious one of all because it will um, affect food supplies. Oh, thank you very much. This is a very very concentrated overview about the consequences we will see with a blue ocean event. Thank you very yes. much for this short interview, Peter. Well, it's been a pleasure. Last not least, Kevin Hester. Kevin Hester is currently living in Reckoner Island, a small island in the Oraki Gulf near Auckland, New Zealand. He loves the oceans. Since arriving back in New Zealand from extensive Pacific-wide sailing trips, Kevin has concentrated on raising awareness of the imminent collapse of the biosphere. He spent the early 80s working in the New Zealand anti-apartheid movement. 
since decades he is involved in the New Zealand anti-nuclear movement. He is planning Professor Guy McPherson's November 2016 New Zealand and Australian speaking tour. More information about that on his site, kevinhester.live. Welcome, Kevin, to my podcast episode about the Blue Ocean e event. I'm honored to have you in, in my podcast. What do you think are the consequences of a blue ocean in the Arctic? And does the blue ocean have a symbolic meaning for you and your personal life? I think the biggest fear or concern that we have with regard to losing the sea ice at the precipitous uh, speed that we're losing it is the possibility of the 50 gigaton methane emission that could take place that has been widely reported by Natalia Shakova and Igor Semilov from the University of Fairbanks in Alaska. As the, as the water warms up, the clathrates that are on the bottom of the ocean, that is a chemical cage that, that holds the methane stable, they become more and more unstable as the ocean temperature warms up. It's like an ice cage that forms around the clathrates. So our biggest fear is the fact that we could have that massive discharge of methane. And if we did have something like that, or not if, when we have that, what I believe is that it will create a tipping point in the awareness of people around the planet about how dire the situation is. So once people realize that we've lost complete stability of the, of the energy balance of this planet, Everything can unfold quickly and unravel quickly, including the economic system. So that's one of the, just one of the potential consequences from having an ice-free Arctic. But another one is the fact that keystone species like the krill, they feed on the algae that lives on the bottom of that floating sea ice. When we lose sea ice, we lose the algae that feeds the krill. We're talking about removing a foundation stone, a keystone species in our biosphere. That's just one species that, that is fundamental to the entire food chain and environment that takes place in our oceans, where, incidentally, humans get over 50% of their protein and 70% of the oxygen that we breathe comes from the oceans. It comes from these species. Our ocean is turning into an acidic soup, and losing the, the sea ice is just one more indicator of the dire situation that we find ourselves in. People want to learn more about this. I think the person I think is the most reputable and knowledgeable journalist writing about all of this is Dar Jamal, a writer at truthout.org. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd really recommend that they go and read uh, his work over the years. We'll have it in the and, show notes, a uh, uh, link. Oh, exactly. Yes. Yeah, cool. What really worries me about this situation is that nothing is being done and no one is accepting the fact that we're in a climate emergency. Look at the election that's taking place in the United States at the moment. It's the second largest emitter of, of carbon on the planet. And they've got two presidential candidates One who is a psychopath and will flip-flop on anything. So one day she believes in climate change and one day she doesn't. And then we have the other person who's a complete climate change denier. How on earth does anyone think we're going to deal with 
or even try to deal with this this predicament when one of the candidates standing in the second largest emitter in the world doesn't believe it's happening. It's just dystopian. The whole story is dystopian. Another person who uh, Guy McPherson quotes often about uh, this situation is David Korowitz. And David Korowitz, um, he talks about supply chain collapse and how quickly things can collapse and unfold when, you know, when a disaster happens. And I think that when, when we have something like that methane birth, but I think um, Professor McPherson said it was something like that, that kind of discharge of methane would heat the um, atmosphere by about three degrees. Well, that will instantly freak everyone out. And you get into the situation where people don't go to work. In an emergency, first responders stay home and they deal with their own family problems, and then they go off and deal with whatever the, the social problem is as a result of the disaster, whether it's a cyclone, an earthquake, whatever. And what will happen is that all, all people, all these first responders, won't turn up for work. And then, you know, we have 550 nuclear power stations on this planet. When people don't turn up for work at them, we have 550 meltdowns. Then we have 1,200 spent fuel pool fires. I think for me it's one of the saddest parts of this whole dichotomy is that there's been five previous extinctions on this planet, but they were never caused by one species. When this extinction unfolds completely, it'll be caused by us, and we'll leave the planet bathing in ionising radiation for the next hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years. So the next iteration that takes place on this planet, if there is one, will be completely and utterly bathed in ionising radiation as a result of our hubris and arrogance. Oh, thank you, Kevin. Very full five minutes now. Thank you to cool. for your interview and to have you in this podcast episode excellent thank you goodbye goodbye from Aotearoa New Zealand kia kaha stay strong schneller, schneller als gedacht. Als gedacht. many thanks to Sam Karana Guy McPherson Jennifer Heinz Peter Wadams and Kevin Hester to David Atreides and Lisa White to Laura Upshaw for African Drum Dance on YouTube 